Welcome to Inspire on the Go. This season, we are focusing on growing together. It's exciting to know that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus and friendships with one another. Daily, as we abide in Jesus and invite His Word to abide in us, spiritual growth takes place in and through our lives. So what does growing together look like for you in your life and ministry setting? Grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a really good start. I hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving break together. I hope that you had a chance to eat the turkey and have the dressing and watch the Thanksgiving parade. And maybe you took in just a little bit of football. We have so much to be thankful for. I'm reminded that we always have something to be thankful for. And today on the podcast, we're going to bring a special day to you that I'm very thankful for. Uh, back in October, we had the Arkansas Baptist State Convention annual meeting. And as part of the annual meeting each year, there's a special day set aside to minister to the minister's wives of Arkansas. This is such a special group. This is a group of women who love and serve so faithfully and so consistently across our state. And so it's our privilege as Arkansas Baptists to honor them, to pour into them, to give them resources and encouragement and fun. And on this special day, we talked about what it looks like to be refreshed in life and ministry, and I had the honor to share God's word with this special group. So I want to invite you into the room as we talk about God's hope, peace, and power. You're going to enjoy worship with Corey and Stephanie Epps, and then followed by teaching um, from Romans 15, 13. So whether you're a minister's wife or not, I hope you'll enjoy this episode of Refreshed in Life and Ministry. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. And sing grace. Great is faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. And great, great is your faithfulness to me. Yeah. Oh, y'all sound good. Let's keep it going. God from age to age. Let's sing. God from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great your faithfulness to me. 
From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. And great is your faithfulness to This is us. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all, wash all my sins away. 
my sins away. And there may I, and there may I, though violently wash all my sins away. Let's be encouraged. For every fear, for every failure, there is a fountain, there is a fountain for every sin and every struggle. There is a fountain, there is a fountain. All right, y'all, let's sing this out. Let this be our confession ever since. Ever since by faith I saw the stream by flowing wounds of life. Redeeming love has been my song and shall be till I die. And it shall. And shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my song. And shall be till I die. For every fear, for
we sing our testimonies together? I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you had me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's stone to so build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owed. You broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time I had hope. Sing it out. So thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You, my place, you laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, then you walked right out again. Now death has no sting, and life has no end. Oh, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Thank you, Jesus. darkness into glorious light. Oh, there is nothing stronger than underworking power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters when we are Love. 
shadows deepen we do do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through we do and do you wish that you could see it all made new let's sing it out we do Is all creation groaning? It is. But is a new creation coming? Yes, it is. It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Come on and sing. The Lion of Judah will conquer the grave. He is David's to ransom the slave is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy of this we sing And does the Father truly love us? He does. And does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? Yes, He does. He does. Does our God intend to dwell again? with us. He does. Is anyone worthy? Is 
anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? This is the answer. The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. And every people from every people and tribe Every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy oh, of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? grateful and if you believe in all that we just sang would you say amen amen y'all y'all go ahead and take a seat well praise the lord we are having church in this place and you sound beautiful you look beautiful thank you Corey and stephanie f's we love you so much thank you Corey. praise the lord I love that we can come together as a body of believers and we can lift high the name of Christ. And I love each of you so much. I can't even get over how much I love you. I am Arkansas Baptist to the core, uh, born and raised here, only lived in Alabama for about seven months. And I told my husband, take me back home. And he did. He did. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, roll Tide for anybody in the, the crowd that is an Alabama fan. All are welcomed, all are loved in this place. It is not often that I have the privilege to wear two ministry hats. And today is a rare opportunity to do that. Um, led by Sarah Mills and Renee Bond and uh, the team that asked me to speak today. And I was overwhelmed by the request um, because we are sisters, y'all. And I'm going to say y'all because we're sisters. We are in this thing together. And it is my privilege and it is my joy and one of my greatest honors to serve you as your women's ministry specialist. Uh, to work with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, to work through the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, uh, to serve our ministers' wives, to serve our women in ministry, to serve the women of Arkansas, to let them know that God sees them, he loves them, and he has a plan for their lives. And it's such a joy to be able to do that primarily in um, training and equipping and coordinating and, and, and work with the best people. I mean, the best people at the convention, the best people across the state, the best churches, and it's such a joy 
joy, it's such a privilege. But what you may not know is that I also have a ministry called Andrea Lennon Ministry, where I travel around uh, the state of Arkansas and beyond, and I have the privilege to open God's word with women and to encourage them to know, live, and share God's truth. And and I just am so passionate about that because the word of God uh, was given to us so that we can know how to live. Anybody need to hear that today? That God's word is applicable, that it is real, that it is alive, and that it will speak into uh, the situations and the circumstances going on in your life right here, right now, today. So as you come into this room, we welcome you with so much love. We welcome you with so much joy. We welcome you with so much anticipation for God to speak truth into the everyday aspects of your life, the challenging things the overwhelming things, the areas of confusion and doubt. You see, God has a word for you in all of those areas and in all of those ways. And so for me to have this privilege to come and to join you in this capacity, both hats, both roles, I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God. I'm overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and I say thank you so much. Not only do I want to welcome you here, there's some other to welcome you as well. We're so honored to have Becky Horn with us. Her husband, Dr. Rex Horn, was recently elected as our new executive director of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, and we are so honored to have you today. We're so thankful. And, and Carla, we're so thankful to have you here today, too, because your husband is the current president of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And we, are, and we know you're wearing lots of hats today, too, so we're so thankful for that. And Sarah Elizabeth, the the pastor's wife of Walnut Street Baptist, she was here just a few minutes ago, had to step out because she's wearing a lot of hats, Uh, but she is also so thankful that you are here, and we are so thankful for the hospitality of Walnut Street Baptist Church. They have rolled out the red carpet for us, they have decorated these tables, they have served and loved us so well, so we say thank you. I want you to know, as we were praying uh, about today, And as we were planning for today, there were really just a couple of goals that we had in mind. And I love it whenever a goal is simple, whenever it's direct, and whenever it's to the point. We're not trying to accomplish 15,000 things today. We're trying to accomplish a couple. One is that you will know, and I hope you hear this, you will know that you are loved. You are loved. You are supported. You are not in this alone. We know that your calling and that your role in the local church can be complex. You are among friends, sisters, and you can say amen if you want to. This is a safe place. What happens in the room stays in the room, all right? We are all in this together. So we want you to know that you are so loved, that you are so supported. We also want you to know that what you do, and I want you to hear everything that I'm about to say, it really, really matters in the local church. It really, really matters in the association. It really, really matters in Arkansas. It really matters on the national scale. You may think, you know, I'm isolated, I'm alone, I'm in this small community or this small nook or this small cranny of Arkansas, and no one would ever know, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that God is honored through your service. He's honored through the ways that you continue to love and serve. And and so we, we recognize the importance of what you do, but I hope you hear the rest of my sentence. Even more than that, we celebrate who you are as a daughter of the king. We celebrate that in you. His good work, his ongoing work. 
And so we don't want you to think that we are relegating you to a role or to a responsibility. We see you as a person, as a child of God. And that's why we can come together and we can pour into this time together through the word of God. We're going to talk about being refreshed. Not only refreshed, but refreshed in life and ministry. Now, as I say a theme or a phrase like that, some of us in this room are maybe not allowing our face to let it show, but in our minds, we're thinking, there's really no way that in my current season or my current situation or my current circumstance or my current calling that I can be refreshed. And you know what? That's okay to be at that place. We want to be real with one another. And, and some of us in this room are in overwhelming situations and circumstances. It is hard to navigate. It's hard to know what to do in this moment. And so even as you have or hear a theme like refreshed in life and ministry, you may be checking out and saying, that might be good for you or that might be good for her, but that will never work for a girl like me. And I want you to know, my sweet sisters, you are the very ones that I've been praying for. You are the very ones that we have prepared for. And, and this is our prayer, as we want you to know that you are loved and what you, you do matters. And, and even more than that, who you are is so celebrated in this room. We want you to know that through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the application of his word to our everyday lives, all of us can be refreshed, no matter the situation and the circumstance that we face. Why? Because that's the God that we serve, a refreshing and a fulfilling and a life-giving God. And so we our eyes for just a moment off of our situations and our circumstances, and we put them on the author of life, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we look to him, for him, with him, and through him so that his love and his power flow through us. And other people, my friends, will begin to see a refreshment flowing through your life as you experience it in your own and so as we go to the word of God, we're going to look at a familiar maybe passage of scripture for you. We're going to look at Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. And as we look, before we get to our passage of scripture, I'm going to define it, for, refreshed for you. But as we look at this passage of scripture, we're going to see that no matter the situation and circumstance that we face, that God's hope his peace and his power are available to us through an abiding and a trusting relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And as we understand what hope, peace, and power looks like in the midst of the situations, in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the storm, we begin to find the source of our hope, the source of our peace, the source of our power, and that is grounded in the God of our souls. And so this is a good word from a good God who has a good plan for you. Oh, Lord, it is full and grateful hearts that we come before you today and we say what a mighty God we serve. You are worthy of all praise, Lord. And we come to lay our hearts and our lives before you and to give you the glory that is due your holy name. And Lord, as we recognize your holiness, we feel and we sense and we recognize our sinfulness. God, that we are in desperate need of being refreshed in and through you. That we need a word from the word so that we can live this word out in real time, in the challenges and the ups and the downs and the twists and turns of life. Lord, would you remind us of who you are? 
so that we can live in response to you. And as we do that, Lord, we're going to give you the praise. We're going to give you the glory for who you are and how you faithfully work in and through our lives. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. So let's define what it means to be refreshed, all right? If we're going to say, I'm all in with this, I'm going to be refreshed. And I want you to know as well, if you want to take notes inside of your little gift, which we're going to talk about that gift later. There's all kinds of little fun things that will refresh you. There is a book that is a gift from my ministry to you that has this content in it. And in the back of that book, there are pages that are just note pages. So you can take notes there if you would like to. Uh, And so that is a, a gift from my ministry to you. But let's define what it means to be refreshed. All right, so to be refreshed, according to Webster's Dictionary, it means having regained strength or energy. All right, friends, we are among friends. So anybody in here willing to testify that that you're, you're in a season where you need some strength? Come on, you need some energy. We, we need some Holy Spirit power in and through our lives. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about being refreshed, having regained strength, having regained energy. Now, the second definition or bullet point when we talk about being refreshed is really interesting because we begin to see the source of our strength and how it's going to be outside of ourselves and outside of our circumstances. Refreshed implies the supplying of something necessary to restore lost strength, animation, which in our vernacular might be joy or peace or hope or anticipation or expectation or belief or faith in a good God who has a good plan uh, for our everyday lives and power. So as we come into this room and we have overwhelming situations and circumstances and questions and doubts and we're about being refreshed in life and ministry, we want to just boil it down to the core of what we're talking about. We're talking about you understanding and me understanding and us understanding the source of our strength. We're talking about understanding that God is willing and able to restore, to redeem, to revive, and to send us out of this room filled with his spirit and with his power to live the life he's calling us to live. And in that process, we'll be refreshed in our church situation, in our home situation, in our work situation, in our friend situation, in our parenting situation, in our friend situation, in our, you know, fill in the blank. All of those things that are grabbing at us and, and causing us to maybe feel anything but refreshed. So we go to the word of God and we ask the Lord to speak truth into our lives. And I'm so thankful, and you'll notice this as you look at my booklet, that it's called Hope More Than a Feeling. I'm so thankful that strength and refreshment and hope are more than a feeling in God's economy. Praise God for that, right? We all have the feelings. We are among friends and women here. We know about the feelings. We can talk about the feelings. I can do a whole dissertation on a myriad of feelings that I can have within a 24-hour time span, right? I'm up, I'm down, I'm over, I'm right, I'm left, I'm up. I mean, all over the place, right? But I'm thankful that word and his character and his power calls us 
to a central focus in who he is as the source of our strength, literally a bedrock of strength for us to live our lives upon. And so as we look through Romans 15, 13, we're going to see particular phrases and, and, and encouragements and truths that will show us the path for a restored strength, a refreshed strength, a refreshed power in and through our lives. Let's look at this verse of scripture. Boy, I could just read it all day long. Let this passage fall over you with power. May the God of hope. Anybody need a little hope in the room? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Let's have a little bit of joy and peace in our lives. As you trust in him, key phrase in this verse, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first phrase that we're going to look at, and you'll see it on the next slide, I have it highlighted there, is the phrase, may the God of hope. And I just think we need to celebrate together that we serve the God of hope. Not a God of hope, as if there are many, but a source of hope in our lives. He is, he is the great I am. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our protector. He is our provider. He is the source of our hope. And so often, at least for me, I can get caught up in the checklist of life, thinking that I have to have a certain health report, I have to have a certain financial report. I have to have a certain amount of relationships in my life. I have to have a certain amount of experiences. I have to have a certain amount fill in the blank with whatever is my greatest need in that moment based upon my perspective for my life, even though I'm not God, right? Even though I'm outside of the big picture understanding of what God is doing in and through me. And I can look to the checklist in order to try to gain a sense of hope maybe a sense of control, maybe a sense of peace, maybe a sense of direction. But what this scripture is encouraging us to do is to remember that we serve the God of hope, that he is the one who we look to and that we live for. And as we look to him and live for him, hope literally will flow in and through our lives. So we need to talk a little bit about how hope, biblical hope, changes our perspective, how it changes our everyday living. Hope changes everything because it positions us to see all the ways that God is present, he is active, and he is providing. So whenever we fall into that checklist mentality where we're looking to our circumstances or to our experiences or to our perspective of life, what happens is we get on this roller coaster called life, right? And we, 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 we punch our ticket and we allow what's going on in our life to determine if we're okay and if God is okay. So we're up and down and all around and twists and turns and we, we've lost our center connection with the God who is the source of our hope. And so we have to realize that when we put our eyes on the prize of Jesus and we live to him, for him, with him, and through him, the, the hope that is anchored in our soul is anchored to the shed blood of Jesus Christ who lived, who died, and rose again to secure our eternal security, to secure our salvation so that we will live in glory forever. And all of a sudden we have this new perspective, right? We have this new reality, 
So, so instead of life determining if I'm good or if God's good, we are resolved in the fact that because God is God and I am not, I will live for him through every situation that I face, keeping my eyes on the prize, asking him to work in and through me in the midst of that situation. So let's define what is biblical hope. If it is more than a feeling, what is it? Well, I have a definition for you, and I'm so thankful for that. This definition will set the course for how we understand hope. Hope is trustful expectation in regards to the promises of God. All right, I'm going to say that again. Hope is trustful expectation in regards to the promises of God. So here's where we want to make the connection. If hope is, in fact, more than a feeling... Right, And if we serve the God of hope, and if we are going to live a hope-filled life because we're looking to him, with him, for him, and through him in the midst of the situations and circumstances that we face, then we need to understand that the word of God will be the tool and the avenue through which we use to gain our sense of direction so that hope will rise up in us in the midst of the most difficult situation and circumstance that we face. So if we look at Romans 15, 4, which is just a few verses before Romans 15, 13, we will find this in Scripture. And I love how the Word of God is so plain for us. It is so uh, straightforward for us. This is what Paul says in Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. We may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. All right? So if we want to sense and if we want to be grounded in the God of hope in the midst of the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns and all the unexpected things that we may be going through right now, then we better get a word from the word and we better live that thing out in real time. So here is my question for you as we think about the fact that we serve the God of hope in the midst of brokenness and pain and difficulty and trial when you think about the thing, the situation or the circumstance that tends to steal your hope, maybe it steals your focus, maybe it steals your joy or your peace, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, can I ask you a question that's very personal, that's going to get to the nitty-gritty of your situation? What does God's Word say about that particular situation? What does God's word say about that particular experience or that particular attitude or that particular reality in your life? If we believe the word of God, which we are people of the book, then we will know that if we want hope to rise up within us, we better know what God has to say about that particular situation and circumstance. And that has big implications for us in our home, in our church, in our community, in our nation, and around our world. As we have a bit perspective, as we have a missional mindset, as we have a sacrificial love, and as we have an openness and a yieldedness to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. So what happens is hope begins to take the place of those fears and those anxieties and those tendencies to be in control. I was speaking uh, at an event on Saturday, and I had this moment of just transparency, which I always try to have whenever I have the privilege to invest in a group of women, because I think transparency leads to transparency, and vulnerability leads to vulnerability. And so I was very honest with that group to, to say that I am someone who struggles with wanting to be in control. 
I like to be in control, right? Christy's smiling at me. She knows this. Like, if you've lived around me very long, you know Andrea struggles with control so much that I will have a list of things to do, and then I have a secondary list for that first list. In case the first list doesn't work out, I can move immediately to the second list. I mean, there is not a loophole. There's not, uh, you know, any kind of, um, you know, letting go of that list and that planning. And I've, I've, I've thought about that over the years. Why such a need for control? Why such a need to try to have my ducks in a row? And I, I have to go all the way back to the beginning of my life and how my life started in order to really answer that question. And maybe you have to do this as well. Uh, some of you know my story that I was born uh, in 1976 in Searcy, Arkansas, and I was placed up for adoption. And there were four different sets of adoption papers that were filled out on my life as God in his sovereignty, his providence, and his plan was blessing plans that needed to be blessed and frustrating plans that needed to be frustrated so that I would end up in the right place at the right time with the right people for his right purposes. And so I love that part of my story now. But for many years, and I hope that you'll hear my heart when I say this, for many years, that felt out of control to me. It felt... Um, it felt, um, well, it didn't feel safe, quite honestly, because it felt like my life was up in the air. It felt like, it, you know, the details of my life uh, were, were being kind of here and there and all over the place. But today, as I've matured in the Lord and as I've matured in uh, my story and my journey that God has entrusted to me, the very thing that used to cause me to want to be in control of my life, I hope that this makes sense to you, is now the thing that makes me want to give up control of my life. You want to know why? Because now I see that through the sovereignty, the providence, the plan of God that, you know, he was in control that he was moving, that he was protecting, that he was providing, that he was placing. Sometimes I share that with you because sometimes we have to just do some, some, some deep work in our life. And we have to ask ourselves the questions, why am I having this response? And does this response line up, hear this, with the word of God? My response for many, many years, even though I was raised in church, saved at the age of six. In fact, I see Janet back there. Her mom led me to the Lord. That's how invested I am in Arkansas Baptist. Um, I, I, I grew up in church. I knew the things of the Lord. But my belief system wasn't lining up with the, the reality of the truth that, that is housed in this beautiful, living, and active word. And so what was happening is instead of joy and hope and peace and power, I was sensing chaos. I was sensing confusion. And, and because of that, I was trying to gain control of my little life. And, and God is so gracious to mature us in our faith journeys, isn't he? He's so gracious to show us that next step of faith and obedience and along the way to reveal the lies of the enemy and the lies of the flesh so that we can bring those lies in conformity to God and his word so that we can experience a life-giving and a life-changing relationship with the God of hope. So if you're here today, and you are, and I praise God for that, and you're maybe struggling to trust or to believe or to even know what up is, which way is up. Can I remind you that we serve the God of hope and that where you are right now, it is not the end of your story. It is not the end of his work, his redeeming work in your life. But sometimes it does take work. 
And I would not bring you into this room and sell you short on that point. The sanctification journey is a journey. And we have to be transparent. We have to be vulnerable. And we have to be honest with where we are and where God is calling us to be so that his hope will flow in and through our lives. So we serve the God of hope. The God of hope encourages us to look to his word for the source and the, the, the strength that comes from his word. And as we look to him, what happens is we begin to exchange our checklist of things that we think we have to have or be able to do in order to sense hope. And we'll be reminded that we have hope because Jesus overcame the grave. We have hope because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have hope because God's word tells us how to live. We have hope because God loves us and he has a plan for our lives in the ups and the downs and the twists and the turn, no matter the situation that you face. You get to walk out of here today serving and knowing and living for the God of hope. Now, what does the God of hope do? Scripture says in Romans 15, 13, that he fills us with joy and peace. Anybody need a little bit of that? I love how this verse, just it just gets deeper and better and fuller and freer as we walk through it. So this God of hope is going to fill our lives with joy and peace. What is or what are some characteristics of joy and peace. The first thing we need to understand is that joy and peace are not the absence of problems. All right? And so often we, we will believe the lie of the enemy and we'll believe the lie of our world and this culture and we'll think that we have to have a right set of circumstances, a right set of opportunities, a right set of options, a certain life in order to have joy and peace. But we, we want to be women of faith. We want to be women of the word. And so we're going to recognize and we're going to celebrate that joy and peace are not the absence of problems, but rather the assurance, the presence of God that he is with us even in the struggles, even in the questions, even in the doubts, even in the overwhelming situations and circumstances. But this brings us to a very important point that we also have to bring into this room. It's a reminder that Jesus himself said, you will have trouble in this world. There's going to be hardships, there's going to be strain, there's going to be overwhelming circumstances. In this world, you will have trouble, but he also said, take heart, I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. We need to know that truth, we need to memorize that truth, we need to be able to speak that truth into our situations and our circumstances. So what do we need to know about trouble? We need to know that trouble does not surprise God. In the midst of your current thing, that is stealing maybe your sense of refreshment, joy, or peace. In the midst of this particular situation and circumstance, God is not surprised by it. All right? He is on his throne in the midst of this season of our lives. Not only is he not surprised about it, he's not overwhelmed about it. I'm so thankful because I am. I'm always overwhelmed about it. I told my husband, uh, which I didn't even mention my husband and my kids. I'm married to Jay. We've been married uh, for 27 years. We have two boys. Jake is 23. Andrew is 19, almost 20. Both boys are getting married. Uh, one in December, one in April, four months apart. I can't even believe it. I'm having a panic attack right now thinking about it. But I, I told my husband... Just recently, I said, if you lived in my brain for five seconds, you would be exhausted. 
exhausted the amount of things that happen in a five-second time span. I'm like, you would just go to bed, I think. You know, and I, I think that would probably be true for all of us. Why? Because we all are moving. We're all running. We all have these things that are happening. But in the midst of that trouble, what I tend to do when trouble hits is I will create a plan and a secondary plan and maybe a third one as well. And I'll then begin, and I'm going to use this word for myself, I'll be, begin to, I could use the word manipulate, I could also use the word finesse, I could also use the word, you know, kind of try to, you know, move and change and control and, and, and put my ducks in a row. But in the midst of all of that, what I have to remember is that I serve the God who is not overwhelmed by that moment. I serve a God who is not sitting on his throne wondering, where do we go from here? Or, what am I going to do with this one? That's usually what I think he probably thinks about me. <laughs> what are we going to do with this situation, right? But even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of overwhelming situations and circumstance, God isn't surprised. He isn't overwhelmed. And I hope that this third truth just blesses your heart today. What you're going through right now, and you may think, I have blown it, or this situation has blown it. There's no way to recover. There's no way to move forward. We don't know where from here. Let me assure you, based on the authority of God's word, that trouble does not negate God's plan. That he is faithful to bring good out of that. And maybe that good looks like a heart that's been transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus so that we look more like him and less like the world. Maybe it's a new perspective on a situation where we have received mercy and we've received love and grace and forgiveness and and the Holy Spirit empowerment so that we can minister out of the overflow of that to somebody else in their season. There's so many different ways that God can bring good out of a challenging situation. Here is the question, and I say this, uh, Arkansas Baptist women, as a sister, my question is, are we open to him bringing the good? Are we open to it? Or are we stuck in our perspective? Are we stuck in our desire maybe to be right? Or maybe to be vindicated? Or maybe even just to be acknowledged. I am not here to say that what we are going through is not hard. It is hard. And I'm certainly not here to say that God doesn't care because, friends, he cares deeply. Deeply. He says, cast your care upon me because I care for you. Casting your cares upon him to a God who is good who loves you, who has a plan. And as we surrender, that's the word that comes to mind, as we surrender our perspective and as we surrender our rights in the midst of that situation, what happens is there is a sense of joy that comes from the Lord. There's a sense of peace that comes from the Lord knowing that he is faithful and that he is good and that he is our rock and he is our refuge And we can hide in him, and our hearts can be ministered to by him so that we have his strength, so that we are refreshed in a beautiful, abiding relationship. So we're no longer trying to right the wrongs. We're allowing him to do that in and through us and trusting him with the outcomes of that. So the 
the God of hope. He fills us with joy and peace, and that moves us beyond our circumstances. It moves us to that abiding relationship in and through him. Now, how is that going to happen, right? And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the hardest part of the verse for me. If there was a part that I could maybe ask the Lord to remove, it would be this next phrase. But he knows phrase that we need. This is the phrase, this is the instruction that is such a safeguard. And here it is, as you trust in him. So not after everything is all worked out and you see how it all resolves and you see how the bow is on the situation, then we trust in him. No, we trust in him as we're walking through the challenging situation, as we're walking through the unknown, as we're going through that season where the last thing that we sense or feel is refreshment or, or a sense of, of, of joy or peace. We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him deeply. I want to define the word trust for you. I, I love to share this with women. Uh, if you know a little bit about my story, not only am I adopted, I also grew up with dyslexia, and it was severe dyslexia. Like, I couldn't write my name. Um, I had to go to special education classes. Uh, the whole deal. I mean, it's a big part of my story. And my mom, uh, she was a remedial reading teacher, and so she would help me with my dyslexia. And one thing that my mom would do is anytime that I had a, maybe a struggle with a word or a comprehension issue in my life, she would send me to Webster's Dictionary, and she would say, look up the definition, let's read the definition, and then we'll take that definition and we'll put it into a spiritual context so that we are context in that passage so that you can comprehend what that author is saying. So I just regularly go and visit Webb, one of my best friends, whenever I'm teaching in order to get definitions that will help me to understand maybe what the scripture is talking about or what the Lord is trying to say. So here's Webster's definition for the word trust. It's an assured reliance on the character, the ability, the strength or truth of someone or something. And as a result of knowing that person's character, ability, strength, or truth, there's a willingness to place our confidence in a person or thing. So I started to think about that definition as I'm thinking about the God of hope who fills our lives with joy and peace so that we can trust in him. And I started to think about, I want to trust you, Lord, but I'm not quite sure how to trust you more. Anybody ever been there? It's like, I want to give this to you. I want to lay this at your feet. I want to leave this at your feet, which is really the hardest part of the process. But how in the world can I do that? Because I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so struggling in this moment. Well, if we go to the next slide, I'm going to give you the bottom line answer of how I have learned to trust God at a deep level when we talk about the character of God we're talking about who God is so in the midst of your overwhelming situation and circumstance I wonder if we could ask the question who is God in the midst of this we started off our time talking about that that he is our creator that he is our sustainer that he is our protector he is our he is our alpha he is our omega he is the author and the protector of our faith all of the attributes he is holy he is merciful he is just he is on his throne all of the different attributes that we learn through the word of God of who he is. And that's where we start in the midst of a trust journey. We don't start with our circumstances. We start with our God. And we see him for who he is. And then we begin to learn about him. When we see him for who he is, then we begin to learn about his ability, what he can do. That nothing, I love that throughout scripture, nothing is impossible for him. 
So are we bringing faith into the equation? Are we bringing expectation into the equation? Are we bringing belief into the expectation? When we do, then what happens is we begin to put our eyes on the prize of the one who is able to do immeasurably more than what I can ask for or what I can imagine in the midst of the situation and circumstance. So we know who he is. Now we know what he can do. His strength represents how he works in our life. Scripture says that God works in perfect faithfulness. Anybody need to be reminded of that? What he's done in the past has prepared you for the future or for the present. What he's doing in the present is going to prepare you for the future. He has a plan. He's at work. He's moving. And he does that in strength. And he does that in power. And he does that with truth. His purgence. He is holy. He is set apart. He is spiritually pure. And so as we begin to just... I, I just preach this to myself, friends. His character, his ability, his strength, and his truth. What happens is my confidence begins to rise, not in myself, not in my circumstances, but in him, in his willingness, in his ability, in his power, and in his strength. So if you're in this room and you think, there's no way I can be refreshed, let me invite you into this beautiful reality that when you trust in God and as you trust in God, you'll be refreshed. You will be. You can't help but be refreshed because you'll remember who he is, how he works, that he's good, that he's for you, that he's making a way. And this particular situation where you are right now is not the end of the story. So you keep on keeping on. You keep on pressing on. Now, here's where we're going to land this thing. As we serve the God of hope who fills our lives with joy and peace as we trust in him, this is where we see the rubber meets the road. His hope becomes our hope. And we're going to see this in the next slide. So that. I love that. I love a so that. That means there's meaning and there's purpose in everything that came before that. So that you and you and you and you and you can may overflow with hope. If you walked in this room and you said, the last thing I could have, Andrea, is the hope in the midst of this situation, let Romans 15, 13 encourage you. You can have hope. You can have real hope. You can have biblical hope. You can have God's hope in the midst of this moment. But, and this is where the word is so good, it doesn't necessarily depend upon you. Remember our definition how, so, you know, refreshment comes from an outside source that is being poured into our life? Well, what is our source? Who is our source? We know that the God of hope is our source, but I am so thankful that the God of hope works in our life through Holy Spirit empowerment, through resurrection power, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power there, it actually means to be able. To be able. God has placed his power through the work of his Holy Spirit inside of us at the moment of our salvation. And that Holy Spirit power is the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. It is life-changing. It is resurrection power. It is death-defying power. And it is living inside of you. He is living in you in this moment as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so it is only like the enemy to tell you that you can't be refreshed. It is only like the enemy to tell you that you are too far gone. It is only like the enemy to say that 
God can refresh and love and have a plan for everybody else in this room but me. No, that is the steal, kill, and destroy kind of mentality that the enemy brings to the table. But we're calling out truth. That Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. And that is a full, free, abundant life. That is a a Holy Spirit-empowered life. That is a life that is enabled not by our resources, not by our strength, not by our agenda, not by our control, but by the living God living in and through us. So as you think about refreshment, and as you think about what it means to be refreshed in the everyday aspects of life, I encourage you to bring that challenge into this room and to bring it before Romans 15, 13, and for you to invite the truth of God's word to speak direction into your life. I want to finish quickly with a story. And I have so many stories that I could share with you, uh, but I'm going to share this one because I don't think you've heard it. I have a couple that I, I know all of you have probably heard, but I've only told this story one time, and so I think this will be new for everybody in the room. I told you I am a boy mom, and I love being a boy mom. I am here for all of it. I love grungy cheeseburgers. I love them. I love going to the dive instead of the good restaurant. I'm here for that. I'll go on the hikes, and I love, loved, past tense, being a football mom. Oh, I was here for it. I wanted to be the coach. They wouldn't let me be the coach. I felt like I could really coach them up. And on this side, I did coach them up just a little bit. Uh, Just recently, I had a memory on my Facebook about my oldest son who was in Optimus football, and he kept uh, being called for holding. Now, while I want to be the coach, I wasn't really sure what holding was. And so I kind of, you know, was asking around to all the dads, like, what exactly is holding? And they were telling me how they have to, you know, tackle without holding them, you know, too too tightly or too long and so I kind of shimmied down to the sidelines and pulled Jake over and I was trying to show him how to tackle without being called for holding I could tell you story after story after story about this it is serious and we all made it somehow through the football season Uh, but we loved being a football family it was just meant so much to us but I speak and I teach usually on Friday nights and Saturdays so that meant that there were going to be a lot of football games that I would miss or that I would only maybe make it for half of them, or I would just have to tune in on the radio. And on this particular Friday night, my son was in the day, so he wasn't starting, but he was dressed out on the sidelines. And anytime he was dressed out on the sidelines, I wanted to be in the stands, you know, cheering along and helping as, I, as needed, you know, based upon the coach's invitation. And so I had to speak that night in Mountain Home. And so I was in Conway, and I knew I had a long drive to get to Mountain Home. And I was, I was also staying in the home of, uh, of the women's ministry leader. And so I didn't want to be too late. You know, I, would, I didn't want to roll in there at midnight. And so that meant I had to leave at halftime. It just about killed me. I mean, I was just struggling at the thought of it. And so, but I knew that was the responsible thing to do. And, you know, serving the Lord does call for sacrifice and all. And so I thought, I'm going to leave at halftime. But I told my husband I would listen on the radio, uh, but there was this patch of my drive where I would be like no cell service. How is that possible in Arkansas that we still do not have cell service? And so there was this patch of, of, of about 45 minutes where there wouldn't be any cell service. And I asked my husband, I said, just, just keep me updated. And so my husband is like all in it, right? And so he's texting me all of the details down to, you know, third and two and second and four and offsides and 
holding penalty. And I mean, like, the texts are just coming every two seconds. It's like ding, 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 ding. And I'm feeling anxious as a result of this. This might not be a way to prepare for my speaking engagement the next day, but I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like just the, the weight of that particular situation, not knowing how it was going to turn out. And so I hit that dead spot uh, on the backside of the mountain, and for about 45 minutes, there was, there was no cell service, so there were no text messages. And I was able to relax during that time. I prayed a lot, not knowing what was happening, you know, in Conway. And then I came around that back corner on the backside of Mountain Home uh, where I hit my cell service. And all of a sudden, probably 50 text messages all deliver at the same time. And I'm going, I mean, there's ding, 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 all the way down. And you know what? The only text message that mattered was the last one. And here's what it said. We win. We win. And I, praise the Lord, just, I was so excited, couldn't wait to call my son, was so excited that we were able to pull this victory out. But I made it to that house, I checked in with my event coordinator, I went to my bedroom, and I opened up my phone, and I looked back through all probably 50 text messages that I missed. And I thought about the application of that for our lives. How often do we forget that the end of the story through Christ is already written? We win. We win. And here's what I learned, and this is what it really reminded me of. When I remember that and I look at the details of my life through the perspective of the fact that our victory is secured in and through Jesus Christ, it changes how those text messages land with me. And I don't want to diminish what you're going through in any way, my friends. I know it's heavy. I know it's hard. I know it can be overwhelming. But I just want to end with this. I want to remind you that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we win. We win. We win. And let's live in light of that. Let's respond in light of that. Let's serve in light of that. Let's give in light of that. And so much more. And this is where we're going to land it. Let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy that as daughters of the King. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for just how you work in our lives, Lord. You are so good. And, Father, I just thank you for these ladies. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would plant it in our hearts and our minds and that it will bear fruit for your glory and for our enjoyment, not only of you, but the life you allow us to lead. And give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full, free, abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go.